Hello everyone, this is Manoj Tandon. Welcome to another episode of Dark Rhino Security, Security Confidential. Today we are honored to have Runbir Bhutani join us. Uh, Runbir is an expert in all things cybersecurity. He's a V-CISO. He's been in the business for a long time. He's the CEO of Cyberculture LLC. Uh, he's also a partner at Ingram Advisory Group. He's got an education from the University of Maryland Global Campus, a master's in cybersecurity. Um, he's the real thing. Welcome to the show, Runbir. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Manoj, for the introduction. I, I really appreciate it. Hey, so, you know, there's a couple things we want to start with is tell us about Ingram Partners and cyber culture. What, what, what are these two organizations? Like, what's the mission here? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, Ingram Advisory Group um, just joined yeah. their uh, partnership partnership recently and you know it pretty much their focus is more advisory level from a cybersecurity and strategic okay. standpoint um helping organizations of any size uh you know as far as you know working with their c-level or board of directors and trying to solve a problem as far as securing their data not technically virtual CISO, but more advisory than anything else so definitely a great company um the C especially working with the ceo and and just you know the synergies we're really doing big things. I can't say too much about it, but that, but I just leave it at that. You definitely okay. may see some posts on LinkedIn <laughs> okay. in the near future. Um, so that's Ingram Advisory Group, um, and that's the company I definitely joined. Also, startup um, Cyberculture. On the other hand, as to your question, I launched the business in August of 2020 because okay. I finally realized that there is a need on the consulting side for companies, private, public, even on the federal sectors, for somebody to come in as an expert, regardless of background cybersecurity or uh, technology, or let's say even human resources as an example. The point was there was a need for somebody to come in and help solve a problem, see the bigger picture, because truth be told is going into any organization and some of them have some form of cybersecurity program in place, or if that, if none at all, if let's say if they're smaller or medium size, even the larger organizations sometimes may need some guidance for somebody to come in and just see the bigger picture from understanding their business and how to secure their data from a very strategic level. So naturally proving that cybersecurity is a sound return on investment in the case if they were experiencing a ransomware, hence a $5 million ransomware, which happened uh, yeah. a few years ago, as you're aware. And, and naturally, yes, they had a whole security team and you know, naturally, sometimes you need a you need a, a third party coming in to give you that guidance and that advice to help you as far as solving a problem and securing your data. So, so let me ask you at a personal level, why not take a cushy job in the corporate world as a CISO rather than deal with uh, all the vagaries of the V-CISO world? <laughs> well, that's a great question. Why not? Right. So naturally, if you think about it, CISOs are, are already rocking a hard place. Let's say their maximum time spent in any organization, two years, three years pushing it. I've done everything that, yeah. that I, I possibly could and, and helping the organization from developing a program, compliance, to developing an operation center, using third party. But naturally, sort of, there's, there's a lifespan because at the end of the day, you can only do so much for the, for, for the company. And CISOs are still a rock in a hard place. It, I, I don't want to hear it because people tell me, no, they're on the board. No, they report to CTO, CIO, COO. Right. Those roles have specific specialization and what they do. Uh, Chief OO, Chief Operating Officer, their focus is operations. They're not going to know right. cyber. Chief Technical Officer, 
maybe the technologies, the cybersecurity technologies, you know, they're not going to know cyber or understand it. Cybersecurity ultimately has become its own entity and always has been. It just unfortunately has always been wrapped under IT. So naturally the CISO is like, well, you know, I'm sort of the mediocre, the middleman. It's like, you know, I don't know if you ever see those little memes on LinkedIn where you see the board, <laughs> the big boys table and or yep. the big gals table, and then you see the little little kids table. So the CISO's right there, right? So it's just like, okay, well, why am I still here? Right? Why am I not a cybersecurity uh, executive officer? You know, just But why why has that developed that way? What what what's your opinion on it? It's you know that it's interesting. So going back to my twenty plus years, or going back in time, where antivirus was good enough, right? Like, hey, you're yeah. Oh, even today, there's a we're going to do a little MythBusters thing here in a second. But let's uh, (laughs) please. (laughs) Jokes aside, aside, yeah. yeah. um, You know, CISOs are finally starting to get that respect, but hence the 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 you know going the virtual CISO route and this circles back to your question to where you you know they can come in and and really understand the organization and really solve a problem even for a limited time like let's say they spend 10 to 15 hours a month with with the company within a year i think they can get them up to speed so yes yeah, so from a virtual CISO standpoint naturally it makes sense to come in and guide them because as an outsider coming in and not being part of corporate America, for example, back to your question, kind of being all over the place, but in the sense that corporate America gives you very limitations as a CISO, because let's say like you go back to the board and you're like, okay, well, we have all these vulnerabilities we need to address, but the C-level executives, they don't understand that language. Like it's very technical for them. Right. And CISOs, right. a lot of times CISOs are very technical, but the technical jargon stays with the technical team. And the way I see it, especially coming in a virtual CISO, I keep it very strategic, very high level, showing them the dollars and cents with few data points and that's, you know, not selling, but sharing that that's one of my deliverables because now it tells them a story saying, okay, well, how much money would it cost us if we were to be breached? Right. No, um, do you have a never... methodology that you use for that run beer? Oh yeah. It's, 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 it's very easy actually. Uh, it's actually a CISB question, a single loss expectancy, right? You take the value of your asset, your digital assets, physical assets, time it by, let's say, uh, you know, 25%. Let's say that as a loss, and then you can actually calculate, uh, you know, risk in terms of numbers, and it makes it very easy. And as naturally, you don't need all the finances of an organization, but at least understanding the the, the cost value of all their assets, their digital assets, what they pay for IT, mostly IT related services. So naturally, like as being a very high level deliverable on a pretty graph bar graph, for example, it shows them it just shows them the bigger picture, and that's very strategic. And now to them. That makes sense rather than throwing them a vulnerability report that has oh yeah they're not going to understand different that. findings c level ceo is going to be like i don't know what is this does this make us money no <laughs> <laughs> and, and that so l- let's do a little myth busting here all right so i get first myth uh i buy the latest and greatest product stack and i have 100 percent cybersecurity. Your thoughts Not on true. that? Not true. That you can Completely. never have 100% cybersecurity. It is ongoing cycle down to security training and awareness of your staff and employees so they don't go click, click happy, downloading some phishing or ran, uh, a ransomware. If they just see something suspicious, they instantly can report it because they're getting that training. Let's say, I mean, this may be a little bit tough, but as far as monthly training, I would I'd push monthly trainings because a lot of those employees will just 
like read past the 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 trainings or go through them quickly. Oh yeah, review them to say okay, well. I didn't do anything wrong. Well, you introduced malware and all of a sudden now you're costing us $2 million. And I'm not saying that that employee will get terminated, but it goes to show that, you know, um, educating your, your uh, employees is very, very important and crucial to understanding cybersecurity as a whole. That's one suggestion and recommendation. And another recommendation is an ambassador program and have huh. each department have a dedicate, designated ambassador to train their employees from time to time, or even to do some, even to do some, um, you know, uh, some games with them or some type of incentives, you know, just giving ideas. So, no, no, that's a great, it's in fact, it gets to the part is, is cyber culture, LLC, the name of your firm. Are you trying to say something? Are you trying to establish a culture of cybersecurity in the organization? Yes. (laughs) It's interesting. You bring up, hence the name of the business and, the day that I thought of it, because I'm like, well, what am I trying to do here? I want to change. The, I am changing the culture of cybersecurity forever. I know I'm doing it, you know, as some of the you know clients that I'm working with. So they understand that now it's even bigger than anything else out there. I mean, there's over, what, 700,000 cyber jobs? Oh, yeah. Out there in U- and this is in the it's U.S. More than that, I think. There's a ton of oh, roles this open. Is, uh, uh, Deloitte posted an article not long ago. Those numbers kind of are skewed because it's a lot bigger than that. But again, you get everybody's getting the idea, right, that our field is growing. So here's the catch, though, right? I don't think a lot of organizations are getting, even in the product line, especially from a cybersecurity standpoint, right? Naturally, what's to say if you bring a virtual CISO plus, let's say, collaboration with somebody from the product line selling, you know, sorry, the cyber security product from the sales side and sort of it becomes a two for one because not only do you have an expert with you, but also they're not going off script because naturally is, you know, let's say trying to sell a, a client, a client, a product per se. Right. But again, it goes down to where you start at the top, you understand the organization, um, it becomes very strategic, and then you solve a problem by introducing some of the technologies that they're lacking or needing. And that's, Again, you know, it's, it's sort of, it's a no-brainer, right? To bring guys like us or, or gals like us, if that makes sense. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, you just, you mentioned the the everyday employee in the company. They are the largest cybersecurity asset, right? And, and you had uh, some good ideas there, you know, do, do monthly training, get an ambassador in place. What about, uh, there's companies that have adopted uh, penalizing measures as part of their policies that, should they be, should employees be penalized or are we better off with a different approach to this? You know, it's, in, that's a very interesting question because that word just sounds like, okay, well now you're in trouble. Yeah. Well, it, and, and there are, there was one company that we uh, go on mentioned that if you failed your phishing attempts three times, you got fired. And I don't know. No. It seems, you know what? I won't report it. I don't agree with, terminating employees because they failed an exam. Not everybody's great at exams because people get really nervous or anxious taking exams or tests. I totally get it, right? Everybody's feeling and experience is different. But a lot of leaders of companies fail to understand that when you put that hold over your employees, that is a trifecta. Actually, that puts a negative impact to the business. You may actually start losing employees. And because again, the cyber field, there's, I mean, the demand, the supply is minuscule compared to the demand right now. So it's it's not like 
we couldn't get corporate jobs anywhere. Well, that's not my sure. goal. My goal is changing the culture of cybersecurity in the sense that where now it's its own entity. And until organizations start listening because we're given two years, then we're still in that same boat where we're still going down that same path. Well, let's go reactionary. Oh, we've been hacked. Now let's, oh, let's get a VCZO to come fix our hacking and, and breaching problem. No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Anyway, how do you get the employees engaged then? How do you get them to understand the why of what absolutely. you are doing so they play ball? That's a great question. Educate them. Share them. Share the knowledge. Have them understand. Whether they're interested or not doesn't matter. They're, they're hearing some of that information, right? Heck, even offer some incentives. I'm not talking about even compensation. You know, have maybe make a game out of it. Uh, make it fun. Right. I mean, why why are we all working? Why are we working for a company or we have our own businesses? Why are we, we're, we're, we're doing it because a we're really passionate about or b you know, sometimes people chase the money. I, I mean, hey, whatever floats your boat doesn't matter. It's all relative <laughs> in the sense that like when you educate because we're here to knowledge share. Right. Like right. and it doesn't cost anything to knowledge share rather than you say, OK, well, instead of giving knowledge, I'll give you a, a five thousand dollar bonus. OK, well, that's not that's going to make them excited for two seconds. And then you right. know, after taxes, you know, life goes on. So Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Saying, right? Well, let, let, let's do another quick myth here. There's a whole bunch of people that think, well, I achieved compliance, so that's good enough. I'm done with cyber. Yeah. What's no. your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> but, but your myth, some companies think that cyber insurance protects them from being hacked. I'm not kidding you. Oh, please. Okay. Okay. Please get into that. that. We, can, we can talk about this for hours, but, but you know what I'm talking about. So to your yeah. point is that, um, yeah, no, it's, it's just, it, it just goes back to say, well, it doesn't stop. It's ongoing. Right. So let's say you have these programs in place. Um, you have like your basically top notch, like you got the technologies, you got the program, you got the people. Now what? Well, it's, it's, it's going to be ongoing. The hackers, just like we're in business on, you know, protecting organizations and helping them understand they're in business. They have their tools. Heck, they're probably using our sure. open source. A lot of, a lot of it's open source, you know, with the, with like, you know, a huge price tags, you know, like, I mean, it's invented by the really smart folks with PhDs and, you know, coding encryption and I go on and on. But point is, is that it goes back to say, okay, well, Technology is one thing; it breaks, but also how to how to get through to employees so they understand that you know this is ongoing, and and you know when you throw some games, some incentive, and and cybersecurity is actually really fun. It's not code, and it's not like you need to use a super secret password. That's a very very small part of it, right? And oh yeah, it, it can be if you bring the end users into it and and you actually show them how they get hacked. Um, that can be, there's an entertainment value to that. I, there is, there is. Because the and, people won't realize how innocent everyday tasks can mess you up. <laughs> and it does. And like, fine, some folks in your HR or accounting accounts payable or operations or maintenance, like if you make a game out of it and you offer some incentives, like, okay, uh, you know, gift card to a really nice restaurant like Ruth Chris or and again yeah, yeah. It, it may cost the company dollars but it's minuscule dollars right that's you know really the the point is is everybody having fun everybody in, interacting and 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 sort of not sitting in those silos anymore and an ambassador so, program is amazing for that because now you have a resource dedicated from each department or business unit coming together and now they're communicating so subconsciously they don't realize it but 
the program does it. So, so as a VCO, why do you think companies are so reactionary to the business problem of cybersecurity? It seems <laughs> um, it's because all of a sudden we owe X amount of dollars or millions, depending on the ransomware is. And nine times a ten, I say, I'll say, here, don't pay it. They're, they already have your code. They already have your data. It's being sold on the dark web. That's that's yeah. that's let's face the facts. But now, what can we do to prevent that from happening in the future? Right. That that's one aspect of it. And the, and the other aspect is is that you you sort of say, okay, well, you know, cyber cybersecurity is is quite important, and the protection of your data has value added to it as well. So you go back and you say, okay, well, you know, we got to ensure that coming in as a virtual CISO, you provide that guidance, you provide that support. If that makes sense, right? It does. Now, is there any thoughts or ideations you might have on how do we take cybersecurity from a cost center to a revenue center? A lot of the enabling technologies have dual uses. There's a lot of things you can do with them if you're creative. So do you have any thoughts on this? potentially? Yeah, no, that's a, that's actually a great question, right? Because everybody assumes or the top assumes that it is cost. It's going to cost us millions of dollars for this technology, these people, these resources to just protect our data. That's one aspect of it. But nobody's thinking the future, right? So if in the case they were to get hacked or and they go into that reactionary mode and then they have to spend all these dollars because not only do, not only is the cost of whatever the ransomware are phishing, but also sure. they're in the media. So they can lose customer base. So that can be 10, 15, 20% of their customer base. They're like, okay, oh, they're shareholders. It's a publicly traded company. That's a big deal, right? Because right. shareholders will start, like, especially, I'm talking about the big dollar value shareholders. <laughs> I mean, that, oh, yeah, that's I think, uh, percentage of business, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, Target, I think, put it in their annual report that they lost $300 million in sales or something yeah. to that effect uh, because of the breach that they yeah, had. Yeah, because it was and, so but, long ago. Yeah, no, it was so long ago, but... And people forget, but it was through, it was an HVAC contractor that, because yeah. it goes back to the internet of things and um, segmenting your networks, right? I'm not going to get too technical here, but yeah. that's another piece of it. So a lot of organizations will put everything on one network and <laughs> it's uh. like, okay, well, so you have your databases that has PII or personally identifiable information can communicate with your web servers now we have bigger problems. Oh, and, and your <laughs> websites might have open databases on the back end. I mean, there's n number of things that we can get into that that could be yeah. issues that a lot of people. Which, which I guess I, I was going to go here much later, but a lot of companies, when you talk about frameworks, are you implementing zero trust? Are you using NIST CSF? Are you there's a you know are you addressing the CISA top 18, whatever the case may be, sure. they think that the, the, these are heavy investments and very difficult to do. And I'm going to pick on zero trust because it's been marketed to death, right? Oh my God. Has it <laughs> right. Please so it, w- can a small business, a small medium business, somebody with a hundred employees, 50 employees really consider zero trust to be in bounds for their organization? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Regardless of organization size, right? Zero trust, I would share with you is to me, at least in my understanding, it's a concept, 
right? It's a concept it of using certain technologies to segregate users accessing your applications, whether it's SaaS, um, on-premises based applications, perhaps a, a hybrid of a mix of the two, where resources from different inner departments can only have access to the tools that they need to do their job, right? That's the truth. That's my understanding of zero trust. That that's what it is, and and you know it's it's least privileged access in many it many is. many different ways. If you follow that concept uh, through your entire uh, asset base, you will have established to. Uh, you'll never get a hundred percent, but you're, you'll get pretty good. You'll have a good solid foundation. Well, yeah, no. And the, the great question lies is active, you know, your list of users, groups, departments, and how it was originally developed to your organization. Now, if it was developed spaghetti, how I've seen in many organizations, then you have bigger problems because you have a maintenance resource, resource access, has access to network tools. Why are they part yes. of that in the networking group? That makes absolutely no sense. So who's auditing? Who's keeping keeping track? So zero trust really goes back to an auditing component. It's more of a compliancy than anything else. So there are organizations that are really locked down as far as groups having access, like different departments and down to the user level having access to only what they need based on their job title and responsibility. So there's your zero trust right there. But then now it goes to your cloud-based applications and eliminating that. And again, it's just giving them the read, write, I mean, it just, it's a privilege, it's a, it's the least privileged access. Like if it's an, it goes down to need to know, well, why does a accounts payable, payable need to know what's going on in, in, in the security group or IT group? Because they can. <laughs> doesn't make any sense. <laughs> right? Yeah. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. Unless they have an ulterior motive to all of a sudden gain that access because nobody's watching no. and there's, you know, nobody auditing. And all of a sudden that person perhaps may be, collaborating with a hacker or organized cyber criminal or cyber espionage, disgruntled employee. Now, I mean, that's going down a very in-depth path, but this is... Well, I was going to ask, like, how, how big do you think that insider threat is? The, I, let me rephrase that. The malicious insider threat versus the guy that just clicked on the link. Well, uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to go here on a limb, right? So cool. regardless of what company and coming from the corporate world, the corporate world, unfortunate, it, it's sort of stuck in limbo and it's very dated as far as how things are trickled down from the management <laughs> structure. Sure. So that's sure. one point of it. And the other case is is, is sort of where, you know, the, the limitations are, right? As far as, you know, where, regardless of where you go, corporate world or you have your own business. So really it, 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 it's sort of kind of all over the place right now is the way I feel, right? So when we get into getting back to zero trust you real quick, if, if inside your environment you've established a, a good program foundationally based on it, then you are in the mode of acquiring companies. You don't know what those acquisitions have or don't have. What's your guidance to companies that are going through those processes of how to assimilate those bought entities into your infrastructure and not get totally wiped out? Well, you know, that's, it's really a great question because one of my clients, right, I'm not saying the name, but just as a general rule of thumb. So as far as a risk review for mergers and acquisitions, um, since private equity firm owns them, they do typically as a their virtual CISO, I do a security risk review. 
covers their encryption, their SAS, and it does a very, very high level based on color coding, right? Whether it's low, okay. medium, high findings, like if they don't have MFA implemented, right? That would be a red, for example, and little, little pretty graphs. There's no tool, there's no secret to it. I know depending on what works best for you as a virtual CISO, but that gives them the, it gives them the, the 10,000 foot view of what's going on in their organization prior to, let's say, buying a company. Like, let's say if they're really in the red, red and their confidence level is really low because they don't have IDS, IPS, or they don't have yeah. antivirus, endpoint protection, uh, you know, their assets are on Windows, you know, some of them are on Windows XP. You still have a Windows XP box and you're using Windows mm -hmm. Home. So, you know, these things sort of pull like a little bit of a red flag. And again, not getting too technical and keeping it very, very strategic. Naturally, when you go to the seller and show them this, they, then that gives them an idea of, if they want to move forward with the company or they just need to have, this is what they're going to, these are costs that are going to be associated when they go into the business as far as being in the green zone or even perhaps sometimes yellow is okay, but you definitely want to be in the green zone, right? Yeah. Well, I, so let's get into as far as green zone goes and cloud infrastructure. So that's another favorite part. And it's, and, and it's again in the zero trust umbrella. So, there's this notion that if I am, if they're on Amazon or Microsoft Azure, as the case may be, that they're inherently secure. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. I'll let you. Uh, I, I will, I'll be light on this one, right? So no cloud infrastructure, regardless of the name, is secure unless the organization secures it themselves because it's not, they don't sell it to you prepackaged or something that that let's say you pay for let's say you hire support of their services for example naturally it's onus on you to lock down those, those environments right uh from wherever your databases sit to wherever your web servers sit you know not again not getting too technical and keeping it light gotta validate that gotta make sure that there's you have segregation within your networks, uh, you know, you don't have sensitive. So you're telling me Amazon won't do all that for me. Like when I get an S3 bucket up there, it's not totally. Nope. It is as bare as bare can be with your OS that you love or want to play with the supporting the applications that you're trying to based on the business that you're running. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's, um, let's step back. When you go into a company, and you're brought in to help them with cyber and provide them guidance. Sure. What are your ABCs? What are what are your process steps that you walk them through on how the program should be properly built? That is a great question. First things first, I really I really want to understand their business as if I'm the owner or as I'm stepping in the owner's shoes as far as what their focus is, what they do, because naturally that gives me a sense of, okay, this is what they do. This is why they're in business, whether it's product or services, it doesn't matter. And, and, and understanding their data. So naturally. Now I, I got to stop you just for a second there, because I think sure. this is a place where a lot of cybersecurity professionals, they have trouble with a lot of yeah. them. They believe that their job is technical. Uh, and it's not necessarily to, why do I care how you sell your widgets, you know, and how that works. So please, I think you're on the right track and I agree with you. I just want for our audience to, to hear it from somebody else here. Yeah, no. And, but regardless of in the, in our cyber world, 
in, in our technical world, because Manoj, you and I can go as technical as technical can be in this conversation, but that's not the focus. It's not going to help anybody. It's not going to help anybody. Because what if you're talking to someone that has no idea of, of the technical jargon or to them, they even care about IT. And that's a lot of C-level executives and board of directors for you. They're in the roles that they are because they're good at what they do are questionable. But point is, is that you go back and as cyber professionals, we need to start thinking strategic. Like how do we come in and solve a problem? Like if you want to be a virtual season, you want to start your own business, then you got to be very, very strategic because now you're talking to these high level folks. You, you say vulnerability and you say CVE, you'll never hear from them again. That's true. Yeah. So true. That's my so, so you're starting there. You understand the business first and yes. foremost. Now Absolutely. what, what are we doing yeah. as step two? Yeah, step two is um, you know understanding what type of data they're housing, if they're using an MSP, if they're using third-party services, and then really trickling down and understanding to you know really where their data points are, not technical, but just an overall general understanding. So that's one point of it. The other part of it is um, this. Sometimes people may say that it's challenged, but it's not because if you're actually requesting financials, not their whole financials, right. I just need to know. Uh, the cost of their assets, what they own, their laptops, employees' laptops, desktops, devices, peripherals, yada, yada, on and on and on. Because this gives me an idea of, of what the cost value, even with depreciation, depreciation, for example. Yeah, you maybe need to know a little accounting, but not so much. Then you take that information and then I usually pop it into a you know formula and then do a calculation and have a pretty, pretty spreadsheet. Now, that's, that's, that's a very high-level deliverable because now I'm telling a story, well, in the case, if you get attacked, this is what's going to cost you. And even if that number is low, it doesn't matter. The, the outside of the box thinking here is, okay, well, what if we lose customers? Well, what's the cost per each of your customer? Bingo. Yeah, that's a big Now that, gives, that changes the whole ballgame. Let's face financial institution. What's the cost per each member or account holder? Checking savings, loans, doesn't matter, right? Every, every person has a cost associated with it, right? That's one part of it. And then the other part of it is, Let's say there's three reports. I'll give you an example. Like one, okay. is a, one is a threat report that shows where some of their weaknesses are based on their departments, not their networks. That's C-level cool. and board of directors understand this because they're like, yeah. oh, why is our HR department rated at a 9, a 10, which is like red? Well, you know, if this happens, Mr. or Ms. CEO or Mr. or Ms. Board of, board of Directors, you could potentially be out $500,000 if... if you know, you were to get hit. You got a lot of week. personal data that's gone. <laughs> and and it really, it's it's not an application I use. It's really number crunching using a few deliverables. And then that's the threat report. The other report that I have is a report card, like in grade school, right? Remember in college, you know, you got an A, B, C. So A, a through F, right? So usually giving their departments um, a grade. So now they're like, report card, I'm not used to this. All right, yeah, no, you know, why are we rated at an F for our uh, operations department? Right. So that, so that makes it tangible for them, makes it very. But let me ask you about a friction point here. And because you, you use the word MSP, what you're prescribing, does the MSP's feathers ever get ruffled over this whole thing and say, well, you know, I can do this with what Rinbeer is saying. I'll do this for <laughs> a lot less. Just buy well, McAfee, man, and you're good or CrowdStrike. Well, and, and the MSPs sell, 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 sell. Okay, well, yes. what do you guys think about cyber? Well, sell. Cyber? Secure? You guys don't have a program? Uh, crickets. 
your department doesn't have a program to protect your own data, now we have problems. And this is a lot more MSPs than you think about it. And it's beautiful for us to part a virtual CISO to partner with an MSP because they can come in and fix a lot of the problems they have internally and not only internally and externally, because now they can understand the client, get to know the client and see exactly what technologies will help them. And it doesn't matter if vendor X, Y, Z, because everybody's trying to, to get into cybersecurity these days. It's fine. Totally get it. Yeah. So that, well, that's, that's good. Uh, that there's a way forward and, and you have that figured out. And I think that's some good advice. Now, when you're getting back to your your process, how do you build the budget? Like I, oftentimes we see a sticker shock. People are like, well, you're asking me to spend what? And they're thinking, you know, I spend that... 10 bucks per user per <laughs> month and I'm done, you know, that kind of a thing. Yeah, I no, kid well, you not. Well, <laughs> are you referring to more of like, what virtual CISOs the, the, the cybersecurity budget. Like, so when you're instantiating okay. a program, you've gone to the board, given them the reports, you, you've put the numbers in front of them. How are you building the budget and saying, look, you guys really need to spend X, whatever that may be. I don't know if that's sure. a percentage. Well, no, that, that's a great question. And from a strategic standpoint, I would take that information. Of course, they have a budget, but, you know, this is going to cost them this much for these technology services, whatever, blah, 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 blah. So that's one point of it. But the beauty of what we do is we prove that return on security investment. So let's say you don't implement all these things and you get hacked. Well, even if it's costing you a million dollars, but yet the total cost for all these services were 300,000, including let's say my services, just giving you a hypothetical number. Well, I just saved you $700,000 there. Not adding, let's say, loss of customers, uh, being in media, if they get in media, right? If small business, typically right. not so much, but that makes, if that makes sense. But if I play devil's advocate, I'd say, Ranbir, uh, my insurance company is the one that's out a million bucks, not me. So why do I give a shit? Whoops. Well, yeah, no. That, <laughs> you know? And, and you know what? That, that's, that's a fair response. The, that tells me that that C-level executive or board of directors, they don't care about the security of their data. I mean, yeah. at, at that point, what you, there's not much you can do. No, it's just not. But when they get breached, they'll call you. They'll be they like, will no. Call you. Um, so we got breached. Do you mind coming in and, and unbreaching us? I can't unbreach you, but I can, uh, I can help you, you, prevent, you know, apply preventive measures. And now you're going to spend money, more money than, than what you would have originally spent. <laughs> well, typically they're going to get a visit from a, a cybersecurity company that does forensics that costs thousands of dollars an hour. And thousands. No, 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 you're talking about like tens and thousands. Forensic companies yeah, are I mean, not cheap. I don't know right? what Mandian charges anymore, but it ain't cheap. I can three years ago, one one time assessment and 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 no comment uh, here, but a hundred grand wasn't worth a hundred. Just yeah. Well, so <laughs> you're going to pay that and then you're going to either get dropped from your insurance or your premiums are going to go through the roof and you won't be able to say, well, I don't care. My insurance company is going to pay the million dollars. You want to hear, you want to hear something crazy. And I'm about to say, you want to hear something crazy. Oh yeah, so please. Client, with one of my clients, cyber insurance companies, you know what they're doing now? They're actually yeah. starting to validate, right? So this one client of theirs, right? If they don't get MFA implemented on all their laptops by a certain time frame, they're not renewing them. This is happening. It's like cyber insurance companies are now wanting validation. Before it was like checkbox, checkbox, hey, you know what? You know, we're, we're going to make the commission. Yeah, it's all a business. It's all number. Insurance. Yeah, it's, it's you know, just like car insurance. Uh, the, the Department of Motor Vehicles or Motor Vehicle Administration 
won't let you drive without won't let you drive your car without insurance right so it's like it's sort of forced right cyber insurance not so much companies still think that that protects them which boggles my mind and you probably have heard some of those conversations and just you're like i don't know i can't believe what i just heard so anyways yeah well there's a lot you know which gets into the topic of you know mitigation versus outsourcing of risk where is the point of diminishing returns? How how does a company come to and say, look, we're never going to be 100% secure. There will always be some risk. At what point is there, do you have a report or a chart on this one, I guess, that says, you know what, if we get here, some risk we just have to accept and, and we're going to try and address it. Yeah, no, that's that's a great question. So let, I'm going to bring up in, Ingram Advisory Group here where there is a strategic methodology that shows them where they're at now based on a number of the risk level, but it's all based again on their networks and infrastructure. So that gives them an idea, like let's say right now they're at, and one of the other consultants who's a very experienced vet, veteran says the lowest he's ever seen was probably like 50 or 60%, like as far as having you know security in their infrastructure network. Yeah, which, so now getting to, uh, in, in the small business world, a lot of, they are party to third party risk in a big way, right? Cause they're part, typically parts of supply chains upstream and downstream that sure. can, they might be the HVAC guy, right? <laughs> do, do they understand, do, are you seeing uh, these boards and the CEOs and CFOs understand what their relationship to third-party risk is? Yes and no, because either way, we come in and we t explain and tell the story at a very, in layman's term, layman's term as far as strategic, right? Because third-party vendors, for example, you know, how do you know, like, let's say if their data is secure, what are they doing to protect, the, you know, your data, <laughs> So that's, right. it's, it's been interesting from that, the least to say. So, yeah, it's, um, I, I think, you know, a, a lot of times, cause you know, we get this question quite a bit that we're a small company. We're not a target, you know, we're just who, who, man, I make not widgets. Well, who the heck cares? Right. I, I you know, it, it, this is an interesting uh, point you're bringing up. Um, you know, there's, there's been, I think, years ago, I, I read something on a la, like a laundromat. I think it was a company that had owned 200 laundromats. Their website was very outdated, and they could care less about security. They care about those changed, you know, the dollars, yeah. and the, the, the the quarters, and really that you know revenue for them is is the, the the top, right? So why would they care about security, right? That's not their focus. Their focus is to open up more laundromats. So, anyways, their site got hacked. Their database was stored on that web server. So all the so the competing laundromat worked with some hacker, probably who knows if they were a hacker. Um, this, the moral of the story is never assume that you're not a target because let's let on the dark world, they're busy. They're busier than ever before in the entire world, uh, sorry, entire his, time of history doing, you know, scanning subnets and, 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 um, different IP addresses and so I mean they have tools that they use to automate all this stuff so don't think the least to say that you won't be the next victim because I can guarantee that 
a lot of these organizations have been hacked. They just don't know about it. Even the big ones, the big ones, the small, even a cybersecurity company got hacked. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh, yeah. I, I, I agree with you. We, I mean, yeah. yesterday we had Kareem Hijazi on the program and he talked about that in detail uh, as well, that there's a lot of people that have been hacked and they're just their environments. They're lying dormant in those well, environments. And, 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 and finding... Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm go sorry. ahead. <laughs> no. High school kids, like they were bored. <laughs> and your parents probably got money. Fine. No, I'm just making it up. But my point is, is that like jokes aside, don't ever think that it would be a kid, like super genius kid, nine or 10 up to, you know, adults doing this. Because remember, they're in that line of work because, you know, they make maybe 20 fold than we do. That's why we're in our line of work. <laughs> How do you see the last question here? Um, the landscape evolving in cybersecurity, as far as the threat space goes against. No, that, that's a great question. I see cybersecurity finally becoming cybersecurity department, like its own entity in lots of organizations, where you have offsite security operations, insider threat, threat intelligence, uh, incident response, which is part of operations, vulnerability management, governance, risk compliance. I mean, that's not IT. That that is so many different subcomponents of cybersecurity, and and you'll, you're you're seeing it eventually grow and expand into more different subcomponents. Like, are we talking about? I mean, this is going to sound a little further advanced, but quantum theory or quantum computing. Like, you're going from single state to multi-state or linear machines to to multi-state machines. Well, how do you protect that? Right. How do you prevent that? Like when we go to, you know, let's say, robotics, artificial intelligence sure. and machines having, you know, sort of conscious or emotion state of mind. So, you know, as scary as that sounds, that's where we're headed. So that's and that's where cybersecurity landscape is at. You know, nanobots, you know, how do you protect Internet of Things devices, uh, hospitals? Hospitals don't give a crap. They, you know. Oh, they're starting to. They've been you know, shut down. How many have been shut down? If we talk about health insurance premiums and how much it costs us and why a lot of people don't have a health insurance because it's insanely expensive here, right? But again, hospitals charge what they charge and then do what they do. But how are they protecting their devices? How are they segregating? I can guarantee you that they're not. So, Well, I can see a $50 million payout if somebody I, – I hope it never happens. But if somebody were to pass away on the operating table because a heart-lung machine failed because they got hacked. I mean, so, Meta uh, – Meta, um, is advertising or metaverse is advertising, um, you know, their metaverse and in using it for education okay. and, you know, doing uncertain. So who's doing things to prevent those things from being hacked, you know, during a session. And I mean, I'm pretty sure Facebook meta, sorry, meta has a whole team, but it just goes to show that you always need somebody coming from the outside. in. it's just like those big consulting firms out there. Why did they get into business? Because the processes were just not working, they were became right. becoming so uh, dated and repetitive that the structure still holds in a very old school fashion today in a lot of corporations. A title is a title is great; it's fine. You're at a certain level of a company, but at the end of the day, aren't you still part of the same company to solve a problem? And and yes. and, and when it comes to your data, data is priceless. There's no price tag to it. So when you get hacked and your data is being sold or your list are being sold to your competitors, you have bigger problems. Well, I, I think uh, you have a great mindset, and I'm sure you're going to be immensely successful in this space. <laughs> Thank but, you. And, uh, yeah, definitely. Thank you. And I, I definitely look forward to 
you know, having conversations with you, Manoj, it's, it's, it's really been great. Uh, I'm glad you, you understand that you get it, but we're just trying to spread the word. <laughs> we're just trying to, we're on an educational mission here. Uh, and, you know, also give you a chance to, you know, have some economic benefits. So if you have anything you'd like to plug here in the last couple of minutes, um, any appearances you're doing, any shows you're on, any talks, no. <laughs> uh, uh, whatever you'd like, the floor is yours, you know, whatever I, you you'd know, like. It's, it's interesting. You know, I started this company, you know, just like out of thin air, right? No, but anyways, just going into it and just not knowing where it would end up and here I am today, you know, where you reached out to me and I, and I just having a genuine, authentic conversation. I just feel that cybersecurity is, is it's not a solo thing anymore. Like we got to work together. We, uh, a leader's got to collaborate. Like there, you know, I get it. You know, you're a CISO and, and, and yeah, you, you know, you're up there and, and, and sort of, you know, you like that needs to, the sort of ego part needs to just go out the window. I don't agree with it anymore. I think everybody has to work together. I think we're all here after a mission. We're here to create, we're here to co-create and, and work together and build something even bigger, right? Everybody wins. It's not even about, the amount you charge or the revenue, right? It's spreading a story because a story has endless value to it and it can just go on and on. And just over time it improves, it becomes better, right? So, but naturally if we don't stick together as cyber, as cyber resources here, then the leaders of tomorrow, it just goes back into, it goes back to square one, right? Well, that's a very spiritual outlook, <laughs> but that's a great way to, uh, to end this conversation, um, people will always remember the first part and the last part. So Absolutely. I, I hope, you know, that uh, I hope they, they remember that, that that's a very nice outlook. Thank you for that. Ranbir. Absolutely. Uh, Manoj in, in, in maybe less than a year, we may be on stages presenting to thousands of people, you know, that's, that's, that's be more my than big. happy to. And, and you know what? Uh, don't be a stranger here. If you have some new things that you'd like to let uh, everybody know about, Feel free to reach out to us. Uh, even if we do like a 10-minute short, we'd love to have you back. No, absolutely. Me, uh, same here. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And definitely uh, don't be a stranger. Let's. Uh, I'm pretty sure we could do some big things together. Love it. So sounds great. Take care.